Well, in 1961, at the beginning of uh, a preseason, uh, Vince Lombardi gathered his football team together. You all have heard of Vince Lombardi around here, right? Um, he had been a coach of the Green Bay Packers for a couple of years, actually. When he, he took over two years earlier, uh, the team before he took over had only won one game, and their first season was a winning, ga- a winning season, and their second season they went to the championship game, but they lost when they were unable to uh, score before the clock ran out. And so to begin his third season, because apparently Vince Lombardi wasn't satisfied with just getting to the championship game, he wanted to take it across the line. To begin um, his preseason of his third year, um, in the very first gathering of preseason, he stood before his team, and he held up a football, and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. Uh, It was his way of saying uh, that uh, they were going to concentrate once again on the basics. You know, what made Vince Lombardi a great football coach really was not his innovation as much as it was his details to making sure that the basics were done well. He never fooled people as much as he just did what you needed to do to win a football game over and over and over. In uh, many ways, John Wesley did the same thing for the church in his days. He was worried that Christians in his day really weren't concerned with following Jesus as much as he thought that they should be. He was afraid that they had forgotten um, the importance of being disciples and followers and apprentices of Jesus. He was afraid that folks were just satisfied with showing up once a week on a Sunday morning and going through the rituals of Christianity without allowing themselves to be transformed. And so he started this movement, which later became called the Methodist, and that um, was not a kind word in the early days. Um, The folks in Britain would point and say, there go those Methodists who have a method for everything. Uh, But he gathered people together in societies um, that met during the week. They still went to the Church of England on, on Sabbath day, but they would gather in societies. And as he gathered them in societies, um, he gave them three uh, general rules. These general rules were intended to be um, the basics of Christian community. Uh, These uh, three general rules were intended to be uh, the basics of which if we don't get right, if we don't show such fruits, then we have to question whether or not we are truly following Christ, whether we are a, a true community or whether we're just going through the motions. You see, he did not want people to miss out on this vibrant, dynamic life that we can have now if indeed we will practice living and loving like Jesus. 
And so uh, Wesley had these, uh, he gathered folks in these societies and he insisted uh, that um, if folks wanted to be in societies that they had to commit to these three basic rules or, um, or ways of living. And the first one was, by doing no harm, by avoiding evil of every kind. The second one was by doing good of every possible uh, kind and as far as possible to all people. And then the third one was attending to the ordinances of God. Now, that one may be a little bit harder for us to understand today, but in essence, um, what he was saying on the third one is that uh, we need to be participating in spiritual practices that allow us to remain connected and in love with God. And I think today that those three uh, general rules, these, these three basics of Christian communities are just as important for us today because I sometimes wonder if in our day and time we don't have the same issue. If we have just become satisfied with going through the rituals. If we have just become satisfied that we've reached a plateau of where we are and that we need no further transformation, we don't need to challenge ourselves. See, when folks gathered in these societies and in these classes, they would ask each other, so what harm have you done this week? So what good have you done? So how have you stayed in love with God by practicing your faith? So over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at, at each of these three um, basics of Christian community. Now, um, I'm going to do this one, and Kobe's going to pick up the next two. Um, I'm going to take a, a, a break, a Sabbath, and, um, and I'm going to um, give you all a break so you get to hear a different voice for a change. So um, it'll be good for all of us, I think. Uh, but uh, this week, we are looking at do no harm. Do no harm. And, and avoid all sorts of evil. And, and I just thought, just, uh, just to give you an idea of how Wesley put this, um, here, here's how Wesley put this. Do, by doing no harm, by avoiding evil of every kind, especially that which is most generally practiced, such as taking the name of the Lord in vain, Profaning, I should say now, taking the, the, the name of the Lord in vain, um, we get that wrong often today. We think that simply means using God's name in the wrong way. But if you look at the Old Testament, um, when uh, God sent the prophets to chastise uh, the people of God for taking his name in vain, what he really was chastising them for was calling themselves the people of God and then not acting like the people of God. Think about that now. That makes that even more challenging than just not using God's name in the right way. Uh, he continued to say the profaning, profaning the day of the Lord, either by doing ordinary work or by buying or selling on that day. Drunkenness, a slaveholding, 
the buying or selling of slaves. Now, this is 126 years before we um, even began uh, to talk about uh, ending slavery. Fighting, quarreling, brawling, brothers going to law with brothers, returning evil for evil. The buying and selling of goods that you have not paid your duties or your taxes on. The giving or taking of things on usury. In other words, unlawful interest. Uncharitable or unprofitable conversation. Um, particularly speaking, evil of magistrates or of ministers. I really like this one. You like that one, Kobe? Okay. Um, now I lost my place. So here we go. Do to others as we would, uh, doing to others as we would not, sometimes I have trouble with his language, doing to others as we would not they should do unto us. In other words, doing to others what we wouldn't want them to do to us. Uh, doing what we know is not for the glory of God. Uh, putting on gold and costly apparel. Um, taking such diversions as cannot be used in the name of the Lord, um, singing songs and reading books um, which don't further our knowledge or love of God or uh, justice, uh, softness and needless indulgence, laying up treasures upon earth, borrowing without a probability of paying back. That's a pretty good list, isn't it? Um, now, I don't, I don't know today that we, uh, we pick that up when we gather together and say, have we done harm in any of those ways? Uh, now, long before John Wesley wrote that, um, the Apostle Paul um, had some things to say also about doing no harm. And in fact, if we turn to um, Ephesians chapter 4, um, we're going to look at a section of Scripture here, uh, 20 through 30, uh, but beginning in 17, Paul begins to tell the Ephesians uh, about the, the fact that we have been called to new life. We have been given new life in Christ. We have been given new life by the Spirit. And so he's challenging folks uh, that if we have been given this new life, then we should not live the way we used to live before we walked with Christ. In other words, um, he didn't buy this idea uh, that we just say some magical words, say we believe in Jesus and keep living life the way everybody else does and the way that we've always lived life and think that we are walking with Christ. He called for a transformation. Uh, and so in verse uh, 17 or in verse uh, 20, um, as he's uh, telling this to folks and, and saying, you know, we, um, we are too guilty of doing what feels good or practicing every sort uh, of corruption, he goes on to say, but you didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ. Since you really listened to him and you were taught how the truth is in Jesus, change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were corrupted by deceitful and selfish desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's image in justice and true holiness. Therefore, after you have gotten rid of lying, 
Each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor because we are parts of the, of the same body. Be angry, but without sinning. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. She, thieves should no longer steal. Instead, they should go to work using their hands to do good so that they will have something to share with whoever is in need. Don't let foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, slander, along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other in the same way God forgave you in Christ. Here are a lot of similarities between that passage and what John Wesley had to say about doing no harm. And then in Galatians 5, beginning in um, verse 13, uh, Paul had these words to say. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law has been filled in a single statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. This is the word of God. May we hear it and respond this day. Now, I couldn't help but as I, um, as I read Wesley's list and, and as I listened to the Apostle Paul and as I see our world and society today, if indeed these are not words that we ought to dwell on more. You know, I, I wondered when I first uh, thought about these three rules, I wondered why Wesley didn't start with stay in love with God by practicing these spiritual practices. Um, and then I, I began to see, well, I think he starts with do no harm because if he started with the other two, we probably wouldn't get to the third one, if that makes sense. And yet, as easy as it sounds to do no harm, I can't help but wonder if in reality it is the thing that we struggle with most. In both John Wesley's list and in Paul's list, he, he makes it clear that to do no harm means that we have to let loose of our selfish desires and our selfish agendas. Now, I don't know about you, but in recent years, I have seen more and more and more within our culture that talks about me first or my tribe first or however you want to say that, my group first. I have seen more and more from people who talk about themselves and doing what is best for them and for their family and for their group of friends and less and less and less about what is good for others, what is good for uh, the rest of the world. 
it seems to me that we have become even more focused on our selfishness. And when, we, when that happens to us, I fear that we do more harm than we ever realize. We say and do things that we wouldn't think of, not worrying about whether or not they might hurt other people. Uh, again, I am amazed as, as um, I... Uh, participate or as I look and see the things I see people say or pass on Facebook. Things that I can't believe that they would say to people in person, but maybe they would. I don't know. I can't help but look and see the lack of civility in our world this day. Now, you see, do no harm doesn't mean that we don't disagree but it means that we think about the way in which we disagree. We think about the way in which we uh, share um, our insights and our thoughts and our interpretations and our understandings. But when we can't even do that without a, 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 some semblance of civility, we do much harm to ourselves and to others. I can't help but wonder what the world might look like if we took this challenge to do no harm seriously. If we just start with that and reflect upon that and think about how we might actually participate in doing harm to other people how that might challenge how we live today. And so uh, as I think about the list from uh, John Wesley and I think about the list from uh, Paul, I, I just wonder what would it look like if we chose to truly take a day of rest rather than trying to run seven days a week. You know, I've heard throughout this pandemic of, of folks who have just been so appreciative of this, this time to slow down and to have more family time. But as I watch and as I see things open up, I see folks returning to the same trends that they said were wearing them out in the first place. What if we took seriously the call to Sabbath a rest for us, a rest for others, and a time to focus on God. That would be a good place for us to start. That's where um, John Wesley started, and, and certainly that was a part of what Paul shared. I wonder what would happen if we would uh, choose not to lash out in anger at our spouse, or our children, or our co-workers. Now, that one may be one we've struggled with a little bit more in this pandemic as we've been closer together as a family. And um, just, just so that you all know, I'm not perfect. Do I need to say more? Uh, Deb will tell you that uh, this is one I could work on. Um, but what would happen if we chose not to lash out in anger? What would that look like if we just paused long enough to say, 
is that really going to be productive or is it just going to make me feel better momentarily until I realize the damage I've done to somebody else? What if we chose to change our habits um, for the sake of our planet? What if we, you know, one of the things during this pandemic that's just been mind-boggling to me, I don't know if you've seen some of these pictures uh, of cities that have been shut down and, and cities where they actually can see the sky and they hadn't been able to see the sky for years. And now, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want you to think I'm a crazy environmentalist, but that ought to make us pause for a moment, shouldn't it? And, and think, my goodness, we really are doing things to put all this stuff in the air, yes? What if we were to choose to change our habits um, so that the cities looked like that more frequently, so that our I environment, so that um, other things would last for coming generations? What if we would choose not to buy those things that we can't afford. Not to buy things uh, and go into such debt uh, that we, um, we, we can't care for ourselves, much less hold our hands open and offer what we have to God and to others. What might happen if we chose to be better stewards of our finances? What might happen if we resisted the temptation to think about me first? Maybe we should just start with that one. What would happen if we resisted the temptation to think about me first? I think that one needs to sit for a little bit. I certainly have heard a lot of that in the last two or three weeks when it comes to a response to um, protesters and uh, racism and the pandemic and whether, whether or not even to wear masks. Lord, help us. We can't even discuss whether or not we should wear masks in a civil way. I wonder what would happen if we would choose to see the way others are harmed by the systems that are in place in our world. If we get beyond our personal actions that cause harm, but we actually begin to look at how there are systems in the world that do harm to other people. Now, I know that people in the church often say, well, you know, we shouldn't be political people in the church. We need to be careful how we tread on that. And yet, tell me what Jesus did when he walked the earth. He challenged the systems of the world. He challenged both the religious and the political systems of his world. Those systems that pushed people to the outside and oppressed people and condemned people and called people unworthy and created systems that they could not get out of. What would happen 
if we would simply choose to educate ourselves and, and to look at how there are systems in place that harm other people. And what would happen if we would choose, uh, as we begin to see those things, to, to dialogue with one another, to challenge those, to listen to others so that we might better understand and so that as a society we might undo some of these systems that do harm to other people. What if? What if we simply decided to disagree agreeably? What do you think about that one? It seems that in this day and time that if we have a disagreement, we have to begin with name calling or we have to throw people all in one box and basically say, if you think this way, you're no good. Have you all seen that? I mean, it's all over the Internet if you pay attention. I mean, I cannot believe people on the left and the right who will say, if you're a Democrat, you're, no, you're a lousy, no good, blah, 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 blah. If you're a Republican, you're a... I, it, it's like, you know, you do have friends that fall in those categories. Is that really what you think of them? I kind of doubt it, but maybe. A and yet I see such hateful things. I, I know in my previous congregation, I saw folks who used to be friends drift apart from each other simply because of the hatefulness that either they shared personally or they passed on on Facebook, on, on social media, because they were hurting and harming people without even knowing it. Think about that. Do no harm. Avoid every kind of evil. Is that really something we think about as Christians? Or do we find ourselves simply going through the motions? I go to church on Sunday. I've asked God to forgive me. I know what the right answer is. And therefore, I can treat and say things that might harm others, and I, don't, and I don't even have a second thought about it. Maybe there's a reason John Wesley started with do no harm. Kobe, get, you get to do, do all the good you can next week. That's not fair. Yeah, you get to, that, that's not fair. You get two good ones. But this is my challenge to you this week. Each day. Each evening. Each evening. When, when you um, sit down to relax, hopefully that's before midnight for some of you anyway. When you sit down to relax, just take a moment to reflect on your day and ask yourself, did I do harm? to anyone this day, whether intentional or unintentional. Did I do harm? Ask the Spirit. Say, Spirit, God, show me if there's a place, if there's something I did this day uh, that violated this basic 
principle of do no harm. And then when we get up in the morning, let's begin to say, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me this day so that I might be especially conscious so that I will not do harm or that I will not participate in any kind of evil. Can you try that for a week? Can you try that for simply a week? And in the evening when you sit down, if you realize the Spirit is saying, well, actually, there's a couple of things you did this day, today that did cause harm. Listen to the Spirit. If it's something you said to somebody, make sure the next day you reach out and apologize or have a conversation with them. I know this is not easy work. But isn't this what we're called to do? Isn't this who we're called to be? And then let loose of it. Give it to God and get up the next day and trust that the Spirit will be with you and the Spirit will help you in that day and in moment. So the idea of this is not to beat ourselves up. It's simply to acknowledge the places where we fail and where we do harm so that we can take them before God and we can invite God to work on those aspects of ourselves. And at the same time, let us begin to ask ourselves and to educate ourselves about the systems that exist in our community, in our state, in our nation, and in the world that cause harm to others. And then let us be led by the Spirit in such ways that cause us, or in such ways that we react and respond to what God calls us to do to make a difference in changing those systems. Can we do that? Isn't that what Jesus did when he came and walked this earth? This week, take time to reflect. Right now, I invite you to simply reflect. Listen to the Spirit speak to you. And when the Spirit points out the things that you may have done this week that have caused harm, don't just push them aside. Receive them accept them, ask for forgiveness, ask for the strength to make them right, and ask for the Spirit to help you do better the next day. Gracious God, pour out your Spirit upon us in this moment and in this week. Help us to be more conscious of the things that we do that cause harm to others. Stop us. Help us to pause and to think before we act and speak sometimes. And if nothing else, nothing else, help us to be changed and transformed and empowered by your spirit to truly live and love like Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.